In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome to the camp. Special early signing day edition of the camp. Uh, we just got done with full day learning all about Wisconsin's 2023 recruiting class. Uh, it started with 12 guys. It ended with 14. One kind of expected uh, slightly. The other one out of left field. Uh, Wisconsin's class, Luke Fickle's first class uh, at Wisconsin so far in the books. Likely going to be names added here as we go through January into the second signing period in February. But Jesse, just, I mean, an impressive job, I think you could say, from Luke Fickle and staff through these last three weeks. I think you hit it right on the head, and I've written about this here in the last week or so, but the words that come to mind are just relentless effort in recruiting. And you saw it again on Wednesday. I know we'll dive into the Tretch Kakahuna story, but these guys never quit. And there was a, a time where they were, they were down to eight committed prospects in this class, and, and obviously there were some good ties with players that Fickle and his staff had recruited at Cincinnati that had decommitted, but they were able to fill in some really important pieces, obviously get Nick Evers, the transfer quarterback from Oklahoma, but now they're up to 14. And as you said, not done yet because still a couple of days left in the early signing period, which goes through Friday. And then there's the February signing period, and they're going to continue to add those pieces. They definitely are. We're going to talk with John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com coming up here in a little bit, uh, get into some of his feelings on the class, a couple of guys, maybe under the radar guys, and then kind of talk about his vision or what he sees uh, as the potential for this staff on a recruiting level. Also going to be talking about PJ Fleck here at some point as well, uh, because what a recruiting episode of the camp be without PJ Fleck accusing Wisconsin of some negative recruiting. Uh, we'll get into that as well. Uh, but Jesse, you're right. Let's, let's start with the two big story, the two big stories of the day. Amari Snowden, the four-star cornerback out of Michigan announces his decision to come to Wisconsin. He had a, Wisconsin was one of his finalists, I believe, the first time he was trying to decide where to go. But obviously, Wisconsin does not have a baseball team. And Amari Snowden wanted to play baseball in college. He wanted to play both football and baseball in college. He decommitted from Cincinnati when Luke Fickle and staff uh, came to Wisconsin. And today he picks them. Why or how did Wisconsin get Amari Snowden, the six foot three cornerback in their class? Yeah, when we look back at this, I honestly think this might be the biggest deal in the class for them to get a player of this caliber at that position because he's a four-star prospect in the 24-7 sports composite. Wisconsin just does not get four-star cornerbacks. It's not been something that the Badgers have been able to succeed in in the internet ranking era. There's only been one other, Brett Bell, back in 2001. That's a decade before I even got on the beat. So that's how long ago it's been. The Brett size is there. <laughs> the size is there as a 6'3 guy. But it goes back to the relationships, and he's he's one of three guys who was previously committed to Cincinnati, then decommitted. Jonas Duclona, another one, and, and Braden Moore as well, uh, all defensive backs. But I think with Snowden, um, it's a big, big deal to get him because the baseball aspect was such a real thing. He wanted to go somewhere where he could play two sports and to pick a program at Wisconsin, which as we know, many listeners know, and disappointed by for three decades, haven't had a baseball program, says a lot about what he feels about Fickle and the staff and where he can go as a football player when he just focuses on that. And that's something that Fickle talked about during his 
his press conference on Wednesday that, that they had to find out where his heart really was. It was never a question of how good of a player he was or how well he would fit at Wisconsin. It just came down to, are you willing to give up baseball and hone your skills in one thing? And they, they see a lot of flexibility with him. They see him as a corner, but they think he can play a lot of different places, but he batted 400 in his junior year of high school. He's a lefty. So that makes you an even more intriguing prospect as a pitcher. And he threw three, no hitters. I think he could touch almost 90 miles per hour. So that's a pretty damn good baseball player. Who's, who's giving that up to pursue football. And again, I, uh, not a surprise that he ultimately did pick Wisconsin. He had a top five that he at least released, and it was Wisconsin, West Virginia, Colorado, Cincinnati, and Howard. But really the top two were Wisconsin and West Virginia because those were the two schools that he had taken visits to here earlier this month. But I think this is a really big deal. And and honestly, when you pair that with Braden Moore and you've got two four-star defensive backs, that's that's never happened at Wisconsin. I Because I, Braylon Allen was a safety for about a minute, and then he ended up obviously at running back. Um, otherwise it would have been he and Hunter Wohler, which what a tag team that would have been. <laughs> but this is the first time that's ever happened. Two four-star DBs coming in the same class and, and both guys that had previously committed to Cincinnati. I really think it's a big, big deal and can potentially change what is possible for the defense because to have those type of DBs are the types of guys you need to go up against the best wide receivers uh, in the Big Ten, like against Ohio State. Yeah, for sure. And I, Look, there's six DBs in the class, and that's a lot of guys. But when it's – and three of them are the ones that came from Cincinnati. Even if you you feel like maybe that's – and someone was asked, or I should say Luke Fickle was asked about it. And he didn't consider it an overload, but it kind of is. Six DBs. But we for a long time, we've talked about the next corner. It's going to be the next the next guy up, the next guy up. And, and really, they don't really have that right now. So bringing those guys in, I think, is necessary. Right. Yeah. I think necessary is the term. The thing is they're losing 60 B's too. So uh, it's, it feels like a lot because they only have 14 players in this class, but Jay Shaw, Cedric Dort, Justin Clark, all three guys who had transferred in last year had one year of eligibility. They left. They're yeah. gone. So Samar Melvin, who certainly I think if he had stayed, would have had an opportunity to, to be a contributor. Um, he's transferred to Michigan state. And then on the safety side, this is John Torchio's last season and Titus Toller, while he wasn't a, a big piece this season, still was on scholarship. He transferred to Boise state. So that's six guys. And so I understand why it may seem like a lot. It is a lot relative to the number of guys that they have, but it's quality pieces and guys that I think are going to be key contributors down the road and filling spots that they needed to fill. The problem is they got a lot more positions that they need to address, which we'll get into. Yeah, we will. Uh, but first, and it was potentially a spot that they would, were going to need to fill, uh, some of us may have listened closer than others uh, when, when, when Luke Fickle was talking. I feel like eh, I'm going to let you have it. I, I feel like you may have heard it when you when you went back and I listened did. to it after the after the commitment. Uh, people don't know what I'm talking about here. Jesse's the start of Jesse's story was talking about Luke Fickle and how he's mentioning certain spots that they would look at. And one of them was wide receivers. And, and he said maybe potentially even today. Um, and Jesse used that as the start of his story, can we just, can we agree that you went back and heard it after the Tretch Kekahuna thing or no? I, I actually, <laughs> I, well, I, I was transcribing the interview uh, as the Tretch Kekahuna news came out, but when he said it, I was like, and it was, it was a part of him discussing positions of need. I think I had asked him a question about what, what are you looking for between now and, and February? Cause you had said, you know, offensive line, defensive line, and potentially wide receiver. And he was saying something about wide receiver. And he said, 
you know, adding something even today or, or into January, February. And even when he said it, I was like, I it had a second where I thought about it, but then kind of let it go. But yeah, when I was going back and looking at everything that he said, uh, it just, it didn't make sense at the time because you go, and this is what I wrote. I, I, I said like, Hmm, that seemed strange because to our knowledge, there didn't appear to be a receiver immediately available on Wisconsin's board. But what he knew and what we did not know is that they brought Tretch Kekahuna back into the fold. Um, the wildest story of this signing day, and honestly, one of the wilder stories I think we've seen uh, at Wisconsin in the last handful of years. Now, they've gotten guys on signing day. I mean, I remember, and this is before the early signing period, but they got Danny Davis, who had a yep. top three, and he had a ceremony. And obviously, Snowden had his, his ceremony on Wednesday as well. But this was a really strange situation because Kekahuna, for people who may not know, he committed to Wisconsin over the summer. He really wanted to come here. He took two unofficial visits to Madison. And, and obviously he had some relationships with uh, the two guys on the team because Kekahuna is a Hawaii native. So Nick Herbig and Kamoi Latu were people that he knew, but he decommitted November 3rd when there was this coaching transition and he started to get more scholarship offers, particularly from West coast programs. He earned an Arizona offer and he, <laughs> He ended up committing to Arizona on Saturday at halftime of um, an, a televised game that he was playing in. And four days later, he commits to Wisconsin. There, there's much more to the story, but uh, which I'm sure we can get into. But that's that's the brief overview. Well, I mean, I think people would like to know what <laughs> that, okay. that story is, because, I mean, literally because it came out of nowhere. It was you rarely, rarely, rarely get it coming from a team and like that it hasn't been reported before, right? Like it's usually gets out there and this did not get out there at all. It was more of like a, a, whoa. Uh, yeah. What did, did, and I'll be honest at first, I'm like, did an intern get this wrong? Did an intern <laughs> send out this thing? Like, did they have this like scheduled tweet and it just like got lost in the shuffle and I was waiting for it to get deleted. It didn't. And I'm like, that's a, that's a huge surprise. And the fact remains, or the fact is, he didn't realize it until today either. Yeah. Okay. So here, here's the story. I had a chance to talk to Tretch after this. This all went down, and um, it's pretty clear that Madison was still firmly on his radar even after he decommitted, because he told me he took another unofficial visit to watch the regular season finale against Minnesota on November 26th. Now, again, part of that has to do with that he's got a couple of friends on the team, so he could stay with Nick if he wanted to. Um, but he visited four times in total. Um, and Mike Brown, who's the new wide receivers coach for Wisconsin, even though um, I guess we haven't, gotten, we haven't gotten an announcement, but he's been out there recruiting. And obviously he was uh, on fickle staff at Cincinnati. He was the one who handled this recruitment uh, in a very short period of time. And he went out to watch one of uh, Bishop Gorman's practices. So Kekahuna for a senior season is in Las Vegas, was paying, playing for Bishop Gorman, which is a, a national powerhouse. And the way Kekahuna framed it, uh, he called it uh, just a miscommunication. But he said that they basically, for however long this period was, they weren't texting him or they weren't responding to his texts. And so he was led to believe that they no longer really wanted him. So he he does this announcement on Saturday. He announces uh, he's going to Arizona, which, again, he had taken a, a visit out there only a couple of weeks ago. And he said that a few hours after the game, he got a call from Mike Brown saying, like, man, I, I thought you said you wanted to come in January. And Kekahuna said, I, I thought you guys didn't want me because you weren't texting me. 
And that's when Brown informed him that we still want you. You're still our top priority and we need a guy to play in the slot. And Kekahuna said that he always had a spot for the slot position at Wisconsin. Um, I sort of feel like in the way this came about, it leads me to believe that Wisconsin staff was considering some other options. I feel like that's fair to say. And, and Malik yes. Elsey was a four-star, four-star Chicago wide receiver who was supposed to take a visit to Wisconsin in December. And that didn't end up coming to fruition. Now he hasn't publicly announced a decision, but I think most people believe it's going to wind up being Illinois. He's going to announce at the All-American Bowl game on, on January 7th. But Kekahuna got re-offered on December 8th. Um, and so I think there came a time where Wisconsin was evaluating its, op its options and felt like it had a good shot to get Kekahuna. But, you know, if it, it, it as I've said, this is a staff that has shown that it is relentless in its recruiting efforts. And if there's ever a period of time where the communication wanes, then to me that leads me to believe that they they obviously wanted some other options. But I think it took a lot. <laughs> I mean, Kekahuna clearly wanted to come to Wisconsin, but to make that commitment and then, what, four days later decide that he was going to come to Wisconsin uh, speaks to how much he really valued this place. And he only talked to Luke Fickle here in the last handful of days. Uh, obviously, Fickle had to do a lot of recruiting in a lot of places, and they weren't weren't able to meet face-to-face. -face. But um, now they've got a wide receiver in the class. I think it's a really good one. He's he's not a very big guy. I think he's listed at five foot eight. Um but he had a monster senior season. He caught 61 passes for over 1,300 yards. He averaged 21.8 yards per catch, and he caught 22 touchdown passes. And as I said, this is at a powerhouse high school program that plays some really good competition. Um, but it was a, a position in need. I think they wouldn't hurt adding another piece because they did lose Colin Dixon. He had decommitted earlier, and he ended up signing with Illinois. But this Kekahuna situation was certainly one of the wildest uh, stories that we've seen on signing day from Wisconsin in a long time. It is crazy, and it. I believe uh, Jed Fish was actually at that game. The the Arizona coach, uh, he was at the game uh, when he committed too. Like I, I think that there was. I don't want to call him a priority for him. I think they have a, a really good, uh, either a class or they had their wide receiver room is a good spot out Arizona. But they wanted him, and enough so that they went up there and uh, were at the game that he committed at. So, yeah, I, I think it's. Um, I think it's a notable addition. That look when he went, when they lost him, it was, it was a big deal. And again, he's only, he's considered a three-star guy, but he, he has a little bit difference maker to him, right? Mm -hmm. Like he, Wisconsin can use all they can get in that department, especially on the outside. Um, he feels like a good fit for the offense um, that, especially in the slot where, you know, smaller guys can do some damage. And uh, we'll, we'll see if that ends up being the case for Tretch, but I wonder, you know, he wanted to be here. I wonder how big the impact of a Nick Herbig and a Kamui Latu having success here has on a guy like that who came from Hawaii. And uh, I think Kamui Latu says we need that Polynesian pipeline here. We all, do you remember the Gary Anderson Polynesian pipeline? Uh, Micah Kapoi? Yeah, well, no, that, but it was, um, it was actually quite funny. It was uh, Polynesian pipeline, but it was all guys that he had gotten at different places, but it was on <laughs> Wisconsin letterheads and all that, or like, a, it was like, it was a tweet from Wisconsin. I always find oh. that, that type of stuff funny. It was kind of very like similar, like Brett Bioma, like has coached this many all Americans or sent this many guys to the draft. And <laughs> it was all Wisconsin guys. So uh, either way, I mean, do you think that had that a, a relatively big impact on him? I think it was a huge impact. I don't know whether he comes out here without that. Um, 
because you've got guys who are telling them what type of place this is. And, and if you're in Hawaii, uh, I mean, what do you know about Wisconsin, frankly? Um, but when you see the success that Nick Herbig had had, and again, he came out for two June visits and Latu hadn't played it down here. Latu obviously came in in the off season um, after transferring in. Yeah, I think it was very important. And even after Nick Herbig leaves, obviously he's declared for the NFL draft. Uh, his impact will still be felt by getting a guy like Kekahuna, who I think can be an impact player for this program. And obviously Fickle and his staff believe so as well. So we've talked about uh, several of these guys and we asked John this, but I wanted to get your take on it. Which one are you most, which, which of the 14, maybe outside of the ones we've already talked about, are you anxious to see at Wisconsin? Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't want to repeat what he said. Uh, maybe I'm, <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm giving it away before we, we, you know, people listen to the interview. I mean, Br- Braden Moore and Amari Snowden are two that come to mind just because, like I said before, four star defensive backs don't come around very often. I mean, James Durant is the highest rated player in the class. He's a four star offensive lineman, but we've seen a lot of those kinds of players. Uh, I don't know whether we're going to get an opportunity to see him at some point, but Give me offense and give me the quarterback and give me Cole LaCrue. Uh, I <laughs> I just he's a very entertaining player to watch. And again, like it's really difficult to project because he was a late bloomer. His whole story is is pretty interesting. Um, I, I talked to him when he committed under the previous staff, which was only a month and a half ago, even though it feels like a year and a half ago. Um, he was sending out film like sophomore year to coaches desperate to get attention Nobody really paid him any attention. And, and obviously Wisconsin's quarterback recruiting in this class uh, was not particularly great under the previous staff, but they wound up getting somebody in Cole that fit more of a dual threat type of role. He's got ability to beat you with his legs. And some of the highlights are just like, you think you have him tackled and he escapes and he winds up throwing touchdown passes. And, and I just talked to him uh, last week. And after he committed to Wisconsin, there were some major schools that came in and, and offered him and wanted him to, to take an official visit here late. And he stuck with Wisconsin. Now, again, there's a lot of quarterbacks uh, that right now you would say are ahead of him. Obviously, Nick Evers, uh, I think Miles Burkett, I certainly wouldn't rule him out in the quarterback competition. And should they get another transfer? But I think he's got a lot of potential. And I think he fits what Phil Longo wants out of a quarterback with that air raid offense, but the ability to do some RPOs and runs. So I don't know if, and when we'll see him, but for somebody that we haven't talked about, he's one that comes to mind. And we did ask John about the potential to add another quarterback. So you can listen to that when we get there. Uh, I did find it interesting. Like they have holes to fill still Uh, there's, there's time and there's time to do it. But I I did find one of the more notable things that fickle said was uh, he would sleep a lot better knowing they had a couple defensive linemen in the class yeah, where they are in the future quarterback wise, obviously, and then also complete uh, to get his staff completed and, and solidified. Cause right now they don't have a defensive line coach. This is him saying this, they don't have a defensive line coach. It sounds like they don't know who's going to coach the corners. So there, okay. there are, and those are just two open spots. I don't know if Bobby April was ever considered, but he's, he's going to Stanford, obviously. We thought maybe he might be considered to stay just uh, because he was still involved in recruiting. We've seen guys tag him in post. So, um, but he's, he's headed out to Stanford, according to your guy, uh, Bruce Feldman at The Athletic. So, but there are still things out there. But when you look at what this staff has done these, these last two weeks, I feel like it's, it, the, the benefit of it was guys being able to coach the team 
And then there's other guys, whether it's Mike Tressel or uh, Colin Hitchler or Mike Brown or Gino, last name to be pronounced right at a different point. And then like the, having those guys out there being able to, to along with Mickey Turner and the, and the rest of the uh, current staff, I feel like it, it's kind of helped them a little bit to be able to split this up. Yeah, I think it's been huge and it's a very unique situation, obviously, where you've got the the previous regime still coaching the team in the bowl game and you've got these new coaches who are going to take over. But right now, Fickle wants to keep it separate, which makes a lot of sense because these players don't know these new coaches. They put in all the time into this season and they want to finish it out with the guys that they they started it with. But that leaves an opportunity for these other staffers to spend all their time on recruiting. And I, I do think that it, it paid dividends. And, um, you know, I had obviously written about this, but. Jonas Duclona is a perfect example of them going to Naples, Florida three times in a two week span, including the day after he wraps up an official visit because they won't take no for an answer. So they're out to lunch with him and his uncle and they end up getting a commitment from him. Um, It goes back to that idea of relentless effort, but they're able to do that at this unique time because they can just strictly focus on um, recruiting. And and the two that went out there were Max Steinecker, who's one of the two recruiting staffers that Fickle brought with him from Cincinnati. And then Colin Hitchler who's a safeties coach. So, um, I think they've done a tremendous job. Honestly, I don't know what more you could have asked out of them in only three weeks. I mean, Luke Fickle was hired 24 days ago. Uh, and so for them to fill the holes that they have and then be in decent position and potentially with some other spots, um, I think it's it says a lot about what is possible uh, at Wisconsin in recruiting. I got one question that was asking about recruiting, and I, I feel like it's a worthwhile question to answer. He says, uh, as much as we all like Jim Leonard, do you think he could have done the recruiting blitz we see with the carryover recruiting staff? I don't see Mickey Turner and his staff getting anywhere close to it. Obviously, that's a hypothetical uh, that that we'll never know the answer to. But uh, I I don't think that this would have happened uh, under Leonard in this three-week span. Obviously, the, the relationships that Fickle built, he's able to bring in three guys. But Wisconsin doesn't have two four-star DBs lined up. <laughs> I mean... Maybe they wind up with a tight end. Maybe they wind up with that tight end. I don't know. Um, they needed one. They've gone the whole whole cycle without one. I don't know whether they wind up with Tretch Kekahuna, but Fickle, um, I think he he spoke after he talked to reporters. Um, he spoke, uh, I can't remember where. but It was rivals. Thank you. He, uh, it's always good to credit your sources, <laughs> Yes, but, but he did, he did reference the work that the previous recruiting staff did specifically with Kakahuna, um, to get them in the door and, and put them in position. But th- the short answer is no, I don't really think, I don't see Wisconsin having the same success in the three weeks when Leonard's also coaching the team and, and, this setup worked out well where you could have a staff just devoted to recruiting. Now that's not to say Leonard wouldn't have had success in recruiting and we'll never know what his full plan was for, for how he saw things. I don't, I don't know whether it would have been similar to Paul Christ or not um, in keeping the same staff or what the philosophy was, but I think fickle and his staff are going to kick it into high gear. And I really think they're going to help take Wisconsin consistently to a new level. Now, what does that mean? That that's really hard to say. Obviously, Wisconsin had that three-year stretch where it was the highest-rated recruiting classes, and you know, obviously, you can debate the merits of all that because the success hasn't necessarily come on the field. But can this be a staff that gets Wisconsin into the top thirty consistently, or or more often than not? It's it's going to be hard to do. And Luke Fickle has now expanded his uh, his range from the three hundred mile radius to three fifty. But it goes back to identifying the fit and knowing where you can get guys. And I think they've got they've got some appeal. Um, within areas that um, I think Wisconsin 
would have more success with under Fickle. Do you know one area that's within that 300 and the 350 mile radius? Is it Wisconsin? <laughs> it is. But Minnesota are you going to say also- Minneapolis? Because Minneapolis- I think we're about to dive into your favorite topic. Minneapolis and the the state, or as you say, the state of Minnesota and the city of Minneapolis within that range, and PJ Fleck just just couldn't let his guys have the day. He had to take some shots, some shots that uh, Luke Fickle was then, I guess, I wouldn't say forced to respond to, but did respond to. Either because way, of you Zach, you get you get all the props for this. Made aware of because had of had, had I not asked it. There are some there are times when I ask a question and then there are times I don't ask a question. I always hate myself when I don't ask a question. I rarely hate myself when I ask the question. Oh, it's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. I only dislike it when I don't ask the question and I'm sitting there going to bed and like, why didn't I ask the question? It was it was a fine question, even if Paul Chris would have shut it down. But either way, on Tuesday, Wisconsin offered Martin Owusu, a defensive lineman in the 2023 class. He was committed with to, to Minnesota. So essentially what? Less, I mean, 24, 48 hours before he was supposed to sign with Minnesota, he tweeted out the offer and uh, was was very proud of the offer, I think, me personally. Apparently, it didn't go over very well with Minnesota fans. And he deleted the tweet and then later said, yeah, sorry about that. I'm a gopher. I'm a gopher no matter what. And then three boat emojis. Ridiculous. But uh, three boat emojis, row the boat. And today we heard from P.J. Fleck and he had this to say about it. He said, Wisconsin, uh, about Martin Wusu said, Wisconsin even kind of came in, tried to flip him early. He showed me all the text messages, them doing everything they can to negative recruit, negative recruit, negative recruit to flip us, and it didn't work. So we axed it. <sighs> the, the, I, I can deal with almost all that except for the ax part. Give me a break, <laughs> dude. Get over yourself. Either way, what was Fickle's response to that today? Well, he said he knew nothing about it. And I mean, when you ask the question, and I'll be honest, I was not aware. I was not aware of uh, PJ's comments because I'm not paying attention to Minnesota's recruiting class or what PJ Fleck has to say during a during a 58 minute press conference. No, but it was out there on Twitter. And obviously you saw it, but I had not seen that yet. So when you were asking it, I was like, whoa. And, And Fickle's facial expression was also the same, like. It was the first that he had heard of it. He knew nothing about it, which is what he said. And he said, I won't negative recruit. And I'm not saying that somebody didn't call. I know we maybe reached out to somebody, but I wouldn't think that we would have said anything negative about a guy going anywhere. And then the other thing he said, which I think is a great point, is we've got a lot of positive things to say about what it is that we do and what we're trying to do. Even if some people think that, well, that's just recruiting. He doesn't think that's the way it is. And and he, he doesn't get involved and he doesn't think that members of his recruiting staff get involved in negative recruiting because the focus is on the positive things that they've got going at Wisconsin. And look, uh, unless we see some receipts and unless we get to see the text messages that PJ Fleck claims had negative recruit, negative recruit, ne- negative recruit uh, to flip Wisconsin, um, I'm a little bit dubious or skeptical. I, I mean, let's just step back here and, and think about this. Uh, you offer a kid on a Tuesday, the day before signing day. I mean, would it be in your best interest to say something awful about Minnesota to try to get the kid? And I mean, would that really be what what you want to throw out there? And I mean, we'll have to learn more about how this staff operates, but that just seems like, the, I don't know how true that is. And the other thing is, he said is that they tried to flip him early. Uh, that was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so I just... 
I, I don't know. I think it was an opportunity for him to get a jab in at Wisconsin about, hey, this was our guy. He's a prior Lake Minnesota kid, uh, the defensive lineman. And you you tried to throw this out there. And then we said no. And we got him. And obviously, look, you may not like it, but he can talk and say whatever he wants because Minnesota's won two games in a row in this series for the first time since 93-94. Um, but Wisconsin didn't have any defensive linemen. Still doesn't. So, yeah. you know cast a wide net, throw it out there and see what happens. But I don't think the idea that they negatively recruited, uh, I, I just, we don't know, but it strikes me as unlikely. I find it a, just a win that he tweeted the offer. Like, I, I, I think that's just <laughs> hilarious. Like a, a guy who's no doubt a gopher tweets out about how, how grateful he is to have gotten an offer from Wisconsin. I, just, I, I think, I think it's, I think that is a win. It should be a win in Wisconsin's book, no matter what. The fact that Luke, yeah, I mean, Luke Fickle, when I said, like, you know, do you take any issue with that uh, accusation or is it just recruiting? He kind of, la- I mean, he laughed because he was, he had no idea what was going on. Again, it, he was not the one that offered him. Who was, uh, who was the list? I think it was, it was Hitchler, right? I think Colin, I, I think, it. I think Colin he deleted the tweet and I didn't save it. You know, this is why yeah. you gotta have fast fingers. I think Colin was the one that actually offered it. So yeah, it, it's a situation where I want to believe that it was just a tweak of Fleck uh, from Luke Fickle. It probably wasn't, but I kind of feel like I wish it was just to mess with them a little <laughs> bit. They, now, while they has really much has been made of it, they were on the same staff at Ohio state for a, a year. I believe uh, PJ Fleck was a GA and uh, I'm not going to get into the rumors uh, on what happened on that staff, but they, they have a history, they have a history. And so with, uh, with that, I kind of hope it was just a tweak, but it, it's also kind of be like, that's what we're going to do. We're, we're, doesn't matter where they are. We're gonna go get them. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna shoot intensity up. Everything like that. Just just go do what you do. It was uh, what was it? a shot across the bow, a little bit. Would you say? I don't know. Shot, maybe little shot maybe across, a little bit. Shot across I, the bow of the boat. I just I just think about how much things have changed in the past decade about that so-called gentleman's agreement in the Big Ten. Oh, Ryan Day was complaining Brett, about that today. Brett, Brett Bielema uh, being upset about Urban Meyer who came in and changed the game. And you know this is how it is. And frankly. This is how it should be unless and until they sign on the dotted line, it's it's fair game within the framework of these rules to inquire about a kid being interested. And it's up to the kid to decide whether he wants to stick with a school. And plenty of guys, Wisconsin has gotten committed, ended up going somewhere else because schools come in and try to poach them. And this is the name of the game. And there's nothing nefarious about it. Um, I suppose there would be if you negatively recruited. But again, show us the receipts, PJ Fleck. PJ being PJ, right? That's just a, a 58 minute. And I, and it, it was all him too, wasn't it? But I, I did he even take questions. I don't know. I didn't listen to the, I didn't listen to the thing. He, he probably didn't. Um, it was just him talking for 58 minutes. How you could play for that. I don't know. Teach his own. Um, all right, let's get into our interview with John McNamara from badgerbliss.com. Really good stuff from him. And we do bring in a special guest. It is John McNamara, the editor of BadgerBlitz.com, the Rivals.com network. John, thank you for jumping on. Um, obviously, a new staff, well, slightly a new staff, a recruiting staff. Obviously, Mickey Turner and company were still uh, a part of this. It's a little slightly uh, small staff coming over from Cincinnati. But has this process, these, these last few weeks, been a lot different than a previous signing period that, uh, that you've experienced? It's been a little different, and that's natural with the coaching transition you have a group of coaches coming in from Cincinnati who are trying to 
you know, one, not only evaluate the current commits, but also figure out who they want to bring over from Cincinnati and then also kind of look at other options there. So it's everything was kind of like sped up and and, and really went very quickly. Um, you know, two big official visit weekends that netted them um, a good chunk of their class. They were able to hang on to a pretty decent chunk of, of what, you know, Paul Chris and Jim Leonard had, um, you know, received commitments from, but yeah, it was kind of a mad dash, the finish line and it wasn't huge in numbers. And, and that's something that Luke Fickle kind of talked about at his press conference, but there's certainly a lot to like from this group of 14 scholarship kids right now. John, let's ask you about some of these kids and perhaps introduce them to some of the listeners. Uh, the highest rated kid in the class, at least in the 24 seven composite, Sorry, that does include the Rivals Network. Uh, <laughs> is is James Duran, who is now four star prospect, and he's the only offensive lineman in the class at this point. Uh, what can he provide to the group, and what are your overall impressions of the offensive line depth or or lack thereof at this point? Yeah, just one offensive lineman, and you know it's James Duran, who I know the Wisconsin staff previously with with Chris and Jim Leonard liked him as an interior guy. Um, I think that's probably where he projects as well. You know, six foot five, six foot six, you know, pretty thick kid. And, um, you know, he went out and earned that four star this year. He led his team to a state title in Arizona. Um, you know, I, I think Wisconsin could have added some more offensive linemen in this class and, you know, defensive linemen as well. But Luke Fickle today talked about, you know, not wanting to force anything and and being sure of the guy's that they they had evaluated and they they knew about and the guys that they wanted to add to this class and really not making mistakes. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see if if they go and they try to get a tackle, if, if something makes sense out there um, in, in, into the February period. Um, I think they will add someone via the, the transfer portal that can give them immediate help on the offensive line. But you know, it's a small group. But if you then look at the 2024 class, some really intriguing options specifically from inside the state. So I don't think that necessarily factored into it, but I think Wisconsin is going to be all right there, even though they signed just one kid today. They also only signed one kid from the state of Wisconsin. I, I, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's, it's been a while since it's been that small of a number, right? That might be the smallest number we've had since I've been doing this. I don't think it's ever okay. been just one scholarship guy. Okay. Uh, the one guy that it is, it's the lone running back in the class, Nate White. You, I'm assuming got to see him, a number of times this fall uh, or throughout his career, what is Wisconsin getting in Nate White? Yeah, really an all-purpose back. And I think that's the reason why, you know, Luke Fickle made a big effort to keep him in this class and, you know, really decided to part ways with Jaquez Keys, um, you know, in December. So, you know, a guy that can obviously run the football. Um, he's displayed that all through his, his high school career. But I think a guy that Wisconsin envisions being able to uh, to catch the football as well and, you know, maybe not only line up in the backfield, but maybe move out to the slot as well. And I, I don't know that that's how the running back recruiting will will be all the time moving forward. But I do think that with this new offense, um, you're looking for maybe guys who can give you a little bit more in the passing game as well. And I think Nate's uh, certainly able to do that. And something interesting today that he brought up, uh, Luke Fickle, is that he's going to run track at Wisconsin. So I thought that was interesting as well. I know he's a big uh, long jumper, but it'll be interesting to see what events he does there. But um, you know, a guy that's going to need to probably add some some strength and some muscle to his 180-pound frame, but uh, he's, he brings a unique, unique skill set. And uh, I think maybe he could see the field a little bit sooner than rather than later because Wisconsin's got a top heavy at the position right now. I went back and listened to what Fickle was saying about Nate White, and and I'm not sure if he was only referencing that Nate was going to run track this spring for his high school, 
and then would come to Wisconsin in the summer. The more I listened to it, the more that was my understanding. But uh, I, I think it could be a possibility in college. I wasn't sure. You're probably um, right. I I was kind of jotting down notes at the same time. Yeah, you're probably right, Jesse. I don't I, I don't listen to things twice. You're a lot more thorough than I am. <laughs> well, no, I, I had to I had to think about it too. I wasn't sure. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Tucker Ashcraft because Wisconsin went almost the entire recruiting cycle without a tight end. And then Fickle and staff show up, and in three weeks, they're able to get one. Now, obviously, he was one of the Colorado commits that Deion Sanders apparently moved moved on from among many. But what do you know about him, and how important of a find was this, given the, the need at the position? Yeah, you like you talked about, Wisconsin missed out on a lot of guys, um, you know, guys that they offered. A hand, you know, I think two or three that they were able to get official visits from, um, and they just weren't able to to kind of capitalize. So, you know, to get a kid like Tucker Ashcraft this late in the process um, is a really solid get um, with the skill set that he brings. You know, six foot five, about two hundred thirty five pounds. I think he's a kid that can block and can and catch the football as well. Um, talked to his high school coach, who said, you know, we we pass about ten times a game, so there's not a huge amount of you know him catching the ball on film but the Wisconsin coaches think that he can do both and you know the more that you watch the tape there the more you think that Wisconsin got a really good get late in the process at that tight end position which you know at the start of this class was a pretty big position of need for the Badgers. The other addition late was uh, Christian Allegro he was a guy that had a post-grad year right at uh, mm-hmm. Avon Old Farms what is Wisconsin kind of getting in in him and is he projecting outside, inside? What, what do you think about where do you think he uh, he lands? He's an outside linebacker um, and, you know, six foot four and 220 pounds. And this coach kind of talked about his recruitment was unique. Um, you know, the high school football in his area was affected by COVID, just like a lot of other people. But, you know, in, in particular, Christian, I think it really affected his recruitment. And that's what his high school coach talked about. He also mentioned, you know, his, his lacrosse background, he was committed to Navy to play lacrosse as well. So a lot of things led him to that postgraduate year and, you know, being able to do that this fall, you know, you saw his recruitment kind of really take off with a lot of offers. You know, Minnesota was there, Wake Forest was there, a handful of schools closer on the East coast. Um, But yeah, I think Wisconsin's getting a a kid that, you know, traditionally has fit really well in that three, four defense. And that's, I think why Bobby April, targeted him you know a little bit earlier in the fall and obviously Bobby April is moving on to Stanford but also a kid that obviously now Wisconsin things can play in what we think is going to be that 3-3-5 defense as well so either way he's going to be an outside linebacker and Luke Fickle kind of talked about you know the jumps that he thinks Allegro can still make you know in a year or two in the program as well so um, you know you love the frame there and, and, and a guy that can move in space and um, you watch the film, he tackles everything that's in front of him. So I think that's a really solid gift for Wisconsin in this class. Tyler Janzi was the first committed prospect in this class, stuck it out all the way through. Certainly seems like he's built in the mold of some of these other guys who have come through and had a lot of success. But I imagine you had a chance to watch him with him playing in Batavia, not too far from here. Um, what are your impressions of him and what he can provide? Yeah, the first commit, and that seems like <laughs> seems 100 like a years ago. ago with as much as went on in this program since then. But I mean, yeah, we got a chance to see him down. Um, I think one of the first weeks in Illinois um, when they opened up playing there this, this fall and, you know, physically he's just really advanced. He looks like a kid that can play right away. He's not a kid that's going to need a year or two in the way program. That's what makes me think that, you know, you might see him pop up on special teams right away. 
um, in his first year at Wisconsin. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that depth kind of shakes out at middle linebacker. You know, there's a lot of guys there, and I don't know necessarily how that's going to work in in a three three five look. So. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a log jam or what that's going to look like, but uh, a really physically impressive kid who cleans up just about everything in front of him. I think, you know, north, south, really, really good. Maybe not elite kind of going sideline to sideline, but again, um, you know, someone that the first coaching staff really liked and then the second coaching staff really liked as well. He's a really good football player. Um, you know, maybe not the highest ceiling in this class, but I think a guy that you know what you're going to get and he's a really good football player that uh, should contribute for Wisconsin as well, probably earlier in his career than latter. A couple of questions looking towards the future here. Uh, obviously they don't have a defensive lineman. They have one offensive lineman. Who are some of the names that people should be keeping an eye out for uh, Wisconsin to either continue pursuing here or, or jump on prior to the February signing period? Yeah. You know, defensive line is definitely Jamel Howard, um, a kid who was formerly committed to Wisconsin backed away from that pledge um, did not sign today. He could still sign in this window, but the thought is that he's going to sign in February. Um, coming off an official to Michigan, and you know, Michigan and Wisconsin seem to be atop his list. Uh, but he's a kid that, you know, really since he backed away from his pledge, blew up with some big time offers you know, from the SEC. I know LSU offered. Um, I think in the end, it does come down to Wisconsin and Michigan. If I had to say today, I'd probably say Michigan, but a big part of that is. You know, who does Wisconsin bring in as, as their defensive line coach? He had a very, very strong relationship with Ross Kalaji. You know, the same thing with Roderick Pierce, who was previously committed, who is now signed with with Michigan. So, um, you know, that's something Luke Figgle kind of talked about as well or touched on is that, you know, it was difficult in a few of these position groups to recruit cornerbacks without a cornerbacks coach and recruit defensive linemen without a defensive line coach. So I think once that's put in place uh, in Jamel Howard's able to kind of build that relationship with whoever that is. It's going to give a Wisconsin a really solid chance to, to maybe come out and on top for him in February. I thought it was really interesting that if you look at the class, there's six defensive backs. Uh, obviously they made a concerted effort there. And some of that had to do with the guys they ended up bringing with them from Cincinnati. But one of the other ones is Justin Taylor. Um, I know they don't hand out recruiting rankings for good talkers, but he'd be a five-star. He'd be a five-star in my book. I'm sure, as you know, he's just, very intelligent. I'm, I'm wondering from what you saw of him at the high school level, he's listed as an athlete, but what does he bring to that position? I think versatility um, and, you know, just kind of going off what they gave us in terms of the the position distinctions, they have him listed as a, as a DB, which right. to me, you know, he could play safety. He could probably play in the slot for you. And he could probably play corner if you really needed him to. Now they have guys like Jace Arnold who just designated as a cornerback. You know, I don't know if they if you read too much into that, but again, the versatility is there. Um, a guy that committed to the previous staff and never really wavered in his commitment. And like you talked about, Jesse, um, you know, really well spoken, intelligent kid. And I think he was kind of the glue to this class that you know helped keep that kind of core together from the previous staff and and kind of bringing them into into Luke Fickle and and you know kind of getting those guys to buy in and and kind of look you know beyond what was going on with that, with that coaching change and why they committed to Wisconsin. So a uh, very important kid because he, he was able to, you know, was instrumental in doing that, but also I think he projects really well what Wisconsin wants to do in its secondary as well. It was not part of the signing class today, but it was made official today with Nick Evers, I guess, signing uh, to be a transfer coming in from Oklahoma as the quarterback. They are obviously 
uh, brought in another quarterback for a visit, Brennan Armstrong. You would seemingly think that they want to add uh, another quarterback in addition to Nick, Nick Evers. What are you hearing in that front? Yeah, they absolutely do. And Brennan Armstrong's atop that list right now. Um, he's taken an official visit to Wisconsin. And, you know, from what I heard or what I'm hearing right now, it's it's three schools to watch. It's Wisconsin, NC State, and Oklahoma State. And, um, you know, other than that, those three schools, there's not a whole lot uh, that, that I'm hearing. It's going to be anticipated being one of those three. Uh, Wisconsin feels good. Like I said, that they've hosted him and, you know, that situation's in place where yes, they do have Evers, but, you know, Evers knows that they're going after Brennan Armstrong. And I think Brennan Armstrong knows that if he comes to Wisconsin, that, you know, it's, I don't want to say it's his job to lose because it's going to be a competition, but I think he knows where he stands with that coaching staff and, you know, having one year of eligibility left, he's got to weigh his options there of, you know, can I come in here and win this job? And that goes for probably the other two schools involved as well. But yeah, Wisconsin is absolutely pursuing them. And then that's, that's how they want to finish out that position through the transfer portal. John, when you look at this class as a whole, which player excites you most about their potential at Wisconsin? I would say Amari Snowden and uh, and Braden Moore are one A one B there. Uh, you know, if if you look at recruiting classes for the Badgers, you know, specifically in the secondary, they they just haven't got guys like that. You know, six foot two. Snowden is is six foot three. Uh, just such unique, you know, body types and skill sets they're going to put at at cornerback and in safety with more there. So, um, you know, those two guys, like I said, really just intriguing because of the physical skills that they bring to the position. And, you know, if you're looking to take a program and, and try to get them to the level of Michigan and in Ohio state, you know, the areas that they've been burned before are, are at wide receiver when they're guarding those elite wide receivers from Ohio state and, and the same for Michigan. So, you know, I think Snowden and more, are two nice pieces to try to combat that with their size and, you know, to potentially play against elite receivers in the big 10. So those two are just so intriguing to me. Uh, I think they're, I don't want to say head and shoulders above, but I mean, they're two of the more intriguing guys that I've seen Wisconsin sign in probably the last 10 years, just because of their skill set and body type mix. I know we're talking about 2023, but I feel like it's kind of the same thing at the end. And, And there's still a lot to go here, right? There's another month and change to, add to this class and I'm sure they will but I feel like it's kind of like the end of the end uh, the end of the uh, NFL draft each year it's like all right let's look ahead to who's going to be the the focus in next year's draft so I'm going to do that with the 2024 class for Wisconsin there are as I think was mentioned when talking about just the one in-state kid that ended up with a uh, power five or I should say there's two kids that ended up with power five school but only one ended up uh, at Wisconsin and Nate White that's going to change a little bit in the 2024 class with Donovan Harbor and Corey Smith and, and Nathan Roy and um, maybe Derek Jensen. We'll see. Uh, wh- where is Wisconsin's focus in 2024 and is, does it start in the state of Wisconsin? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. And um, some of the guys that you mentioned, you know, Luke Fickle went out to see those guys right away. So, you know, on his first round, you know, inside the state, he made a stop at Catholic Memorial and that's Donovan Harbor, the big time offensive lineman, um, and Corey Smith, the big time running back. And um, I would put Owen Strebig in that conversation as well. The big 2020, 20, I'm sorry, 2025 offensive tackle um, doesn't have an offer yet from Wisconsin, but I, I think it's just a matter of time there. Um, then you look at Nathan Roy, um, offensive lineman from Aguanago, Sam Piloff, uh, linebacker from Middleton, uh, Rob Booker, tight end from Wanakee. Um, you know, he's going to, 
when I say he, Luke Fickle is going to is walking into a situation where, you know, he can get a really good chunk of that 2024 class from inside the state. And that's, that's a huge luxury to have for, you know, for any coach. And, you know, I think this class could be special and uh, you know, could it be six, seven, eight guys that are scholarship guys that end up at Wisconsin? I think that's very possible. So like you said, Zach, I, I do, I agree a hundred percent. I think the 2024 class absolutely starts with kids inside the state. And I think you'll see them go. Um, saw that someone said, you know, the radius uh, expanded <laughs> by 50 miles today. So yeah. they got a little bit, a little bit extra room to work with, but yeah, I mean, they're going to go to Michigan. They'll go to Ohio. They'll go down to Florida. Um, I think you'll see a lot of those common areas that they'll go, but uh, you know, to me, it absolutely starts from inside the state. And Luke Fickle understands that, uh, you know, some, you know, I think he's got a very small group of critics, but you know, people have wondered, you know, will they get away from in-state recruiting? Will they get away from walk-ons? I think the answer is absolutely no. Uh, you know, Luke Fickle understands, you know, in-state report, in-state recruiting is important. He did it a lot at Cincinnati. He's going to do it at Wisconsin. And um, he's walking into a very good class that I think he's got a really good chance of capitalizing on, you know, when we're talking, you know, one year from now. John, here's my last question for you. What are your impressions of what Luke Fickle and his staff have been able to do here in, in just three weeks? And as an offshoot to that, what do you think is possible in recruiting with with Fickle in charge? Um, kind of given where where things were headed when at the end of Paul Chris's tenure um, and what you've seen here early on under Fickle. Yeah, I've I've been very impressed with with what they've been able to do, and um, I think part of that is you know the the guys that he's brought in, you know, on field coaches and and people in the recruiting department have been able to focus. 100% on the recruiting. So that's, that's helped them. Um, but the way that they have attacked it, and I know this has been talked about, Jesse, you wrote about this, but you know, you look at a guy like Jonas DeCluna, you know, as soon as Luke Fickle was, was, you know, hired, as soon as that ink was just about dry, they went down to Naples one time and then they went down to Naples again. And then DeCluna takes his official visit and, you know, probably before that you got a chance to change his clothes, they were down there again, hammering him and in making sure that he knew that he was a priority for them. So um, the intensity seems to be a little different. And I, I say that in a good way, you know, Paul Chris did have success recruiting, but he was very much take your time, make sure that you know, you're making the right decision. And I don't, I don't want to imply that, you know, the new staff is, is putting shot clocks on kids or, or and, you know, trying to force them to make decisions, but I mean, they seem to be attacking it in a really aggressive manner. I think if you're a Wisconsin recruiting fan, you should be excited about that. And, um, you know, we've just seen them in, you know, a three or four week body of work next year, Luke Fickle is going to walk in and have, you know, his first true full recruiting class at Wisconsin. I think that, well, I know that his, his recruiting staff and, you know, that on-field staff absolutely thinks that they can have a ton of success there. So uh, I, I think it's a lot to say, yeah, they're going to have top 25 recruiting classes annually now, but I don't think that's out of the question. And I think that group truly believes that that's, that's what they're able to do. And with the success that they had at Cincinnati and the resources now that, that seem to be available for them at Wisconsin, I do think that they're going to be in that ballpark because they, that's the way that they're recruiting. And those are the type of athletes that, that, that we've seen them recruit in just this small window here. What do we make? I know me and Jesse talked about it earlier, but what do we, what do we make of, PJ Fleck and him complaining about 
negative recruiting here late in the cycle? Well, I'm glad. I mean, you know, it's funny that you asked about that, the press conference. Someone had to, and it, it was going to be you. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound like a Wisconsin Homer guy, but it sounds like something that PJ Fleck made up in his head to, to, to kind of stir the waters here. I, I, I don't know. I, I, that's, that's what it seems like to me, to something that he, he blew out of proportion. It, look, Wisconsin went and offered a Minnesota commit, you know, within you know 48 hours before signing day. And the kid tweeted the offer out and then took the tweet down and said, I'm, I'm all Minnesota. You know, that is, Offering a kid who is committed is is standard practice in the world of recruiting. So if that's what PJ was upset about, then I don't know. But he alleges that um, negative recruiting was going on. I guess I, I can't speak to that. I can't say it either way. But it seems to be something that uh, that maybe he concocted in his boat uh, rather, <laughs> rather than in reality. I, I, I kind of hope that it was just to tweak him. Just to offer the kid just to tweak PJ. I, I kind of hope that's what it was. It probably wasn't. They probably did have an interest in him, but to do it 48 hours before, it feels like just a tweak. Yeah, um, but you know, these are like these are all Cincinnati guys. So I I don't think PJ Fleck's on their mind. I think PJ Fleck has Wisconsin on his mind a lot. But like, do you really think this group came over and said, "Hey, let's see what PJ Fleck does"? If I do see, this. but here's I the really thing, though. Luke like, Luke Fickle Luke Fickle and PJ Fleck have a history. Um, they were on the same staff at Ohio State when PJ was a grad assistant. Um, and depending on what the rumors, uh, there are some rumors out there that things did not necessarily go great between the two. So there, there is some history there that I think maybe, maybe I look. Well, I can't wait the, to read the the PJ Fleck autobiography authored by uh, Zach Heil. <laughs> what will the title be? Is what I want to know. Oh, good. I'm gonna have to come up with that. That's gonna be awesome. Oh, man. I can, I feel like that book would sell in Wisconsin. I think it would definitely sell for sure. Um, all right. Either way, John, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Uh, I know you've had a busy day and we certainly appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. All right. There he was. John McNamara from BadgerBlitz.com. Uh, Jesse, that's going to do it for the show unless you have anything you'd like to add. No, I don't think so. I would, I, I guess I would just say uh, it's not over. If you're listening <laughs> to this, I think they they've obviously still got some aces up their sleeve and, and positions of need, especially offensive line and defensive line are the two that are most important right now between now and the February signing period. And, and if it doesn't wind up happening at the high school level, which it very well might, um, they got some transfer portal uh, opportunities. So they're still going to fill things out because there's at least 10 scholarships available, at least as far as what we know um, and guys still could leave. So I think there's a, a lot more roster movement to be had, but if you're a Badgers fan, uh, you've got to be excited about the first three weeks of the Luke Fickle era. Definitely do. All right, Jesse, thank you very much. We appreciate what we got from John McNamara. As always, we will catch up in Phoenix for the guaranteed rate bowl. Badgers going to be taking on Oklahoma state on Tuesday. Until then you've been listening to the camp.